podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You know what I did before I recorded this? I walked down the street and I lifted up my shirt to reveal my bollocks. Somebody said, what are you doing? And I didn't get arrested or anything. And then I came in here and I said, well, I'm actually just on my way to record a podcast and talk bollocks. Of course, the name is a little bit fun, but I just really must stress that bollocks boxer shorts are just serving a purpose to remind men to check themselves every time they pull those boxer shorts up. That's why the brand was started. Really good quality boxer shorts, extremely comfortable, really stylish in loads of different colours, and you can use the discount code BARMYARMY to get your 10% off at at www.mybollocks.co.uk and First Class Barmy Army members can enjoy even further discounts by logging into their members section on barmyarmy.com. And by the way, you know, if you do want to see a funny video of me flashing my bollocks on YouTube, just go to the Barmy Army YouTube channel. It'll all make sense on there. <laughs> Let's get into the podcast where I'll be talking bollocks. Hello and welcome back to the Shackles Are Off podcast. Headband warrior and county championship legend Jack Brooks with us. And also Barmy Army all-rounder Chris Millard, as ever on the podcast here on The Shackles Are Off. Thanks to everyone, by the way, who listened to our Alan Donald podcast. He was a brilliant guest and we've had loads of great feedback and loads of you downloading it as well. And if you've not heard that, do go back and give it a listen. He's just brilliant. You could listen to him all day in that silky South African rogue that he's got. Um, so yeah brilliant Um, also we are putting this out just after England have gone one all in the series having lost the second test match in Chennai on basically what was a rubbish pitch Brooksy Uh, yeah it wasn't the test ideal test wicket I suppose but good teams and I know this from experience um, won't use conditions pitches bad umpiring as an excuse and you get given and it's the same for both teams um and at the end of the day, when teams come to England, we tend to produce pitches that, um, you know, that favour seam bowls and nip around. The problem is with English cricket is bad pitches that they see bad pitches, ones that spin early rather than ones that seem around too much, just because it's historically that's what you get in England. And it's almost not accepting foreign conditions and tougher conditions. And I'm not being funny, but the best players in the game still perform. Um, so, yes, it wasn't an ideal wicket in terms of good surface because of what it was doing from sort of day one I suppose um, but you know the, I'd like to think that England dressing room won't be looking around and moaning about it they'll be like we just weren't good enough lads they've completely outplayed us and they've still got runs on it um, you know and their best bowlers got wickets so we've just got to learn to be better and um, unfortunately we don't just get tracks that spin that much in England and when we have done um, it tends to make headlines for the wrong reasons, apparently. So. It does. Well, we won't dwell too much on it. Um, it was good to have fans back in, um, Chris, wasn't it? Looking at all those India supporters. I know it's not really helped the England uh, players too much, having a load of noisy Indian fans who were absolutely mad for it and cheering when their opener got out so that Virat could come in. But anyway, we won't dwell on that again either too much. Um, we'll give a little update, by the way, on all your test series predictions. So highest run scorers... 
and also highest wicket takers. We'll do that next week with one test to go, just to see who's looking likely being close. And also, by the way, I can't remember the. Uh, I can't remember what we said now. I can, but we'll do it properly next week. And also, I'll be honest, all the entries that we've got in. There's so many, so we're going to have to do a bit of work sort of looking at who's the actual closest ones uh, ahead of that next week. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Barmy Army TV, which you may have noticed if you follow the Barmy Army on social media has kind of rekindled itself and is, well, in my opinion, um, slightly biased, is absolutely mega um, at the moment. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that shortly. But Brooksy, it's time for the return of the Ferret 5 on the Shackles Are Off podcast. What have you got in okay. store for us this week? So, yeah, we've got the Ferret 5. Um, just in in homage to Ruti's double ton in the in the first test, um, it was the fifth highest score against India in test cricket by an England player. So I'm just going to ask you both some questions about his knock and some other lads' knocks. So Ruti got 218. How many balls did he face? Millard, I'm going to let you have first guess on this question and then we'll rotate. Whoever's, whoever's nearest basically wins the point. 389. Okay. I Very think good. it was 376. Wow, they're both unbelievable guess, uh, guesses. Joe Root, 218 of 377 balls. Oh, <laughs> Greggy, one out. You get a point, mate. Boom. Um, Thank you. I think I watched all 377 and it felt like 389. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. Um, Ian Bell is the next high score against India for England. 235 he scored at the Oval in 2011. How many balls did he face? Ooh. And Greg, you go first, mate. We'll, we'll go 263. Oh, that's a quick one. You want a ball, nearly? Yeah. <laughs> Bell, mate. He sped up. I'm thinking he sped up towards the end. I'm going to go fairly conservative now because Greggy's gone. Quite sure. I'm just going to go 350. Well, it was 364. Yeah, uh, well slightly, done. Slightly uh, less balls than Rooty. You could have just got one ball higher than just a bit of smoke came out. <laughs> <laughs> That'd have been proper, you know what, housery. Anyway, Brooksy. <laughs> okay, the next highest uh, by an Englishman against India is Jeff Boycott. Now, this could be a tougher one. He's got 246 not out back in 1967 at Edinley. Oh. How many balls do you face, Miller? I'm going to go 540. Okay. 470. Oh, shit out. Miller gets the point. It's 555 balls. Oh, what? By the way. That's outrageous. That is ridiculous, isn't it? That's absolutely ridiculous. I'll block That's a boycott. How many balls that is, or how close I was, completely mess. <laughs> <laughs> two, two, one, Chris. Um, the next highest score, Alistair Cook, two hundred ninety-four back at Edgebaston in twenty eleven. How many balls did he face, Greggy? I think it was. Uh, that's got to be over five hundred as well, and it five twenty will go for. <laughs> um, okay, so Cookie. I'm going to go 380. Okay, Greggy has equalised. It's 545 balls. 
I was laughing because I, I wondered if, um, not that Cookie does listen to this, but if he's listening to this and he's saying, cheeky bugger, he's comparing <laughs> me to bloody boycott. <laughs> well, he was a blocker as well, wasn't he? <laughs> okay. Um, Graham Gooch made 333 now, famously, at Lords in 1990. Now, he faced 485 balls, but how many fours did he hit? And this is two all and the decider. How many fours did he hit in his innings, Millard? Three, three, three. How many fours did he hit? Oh, my word. Um, whew. I'm going to go with... Forty-five. It's a good guess, that I think. I have a feeling that's a good guess. Uh, Are you going to go forty-four or forty-six? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go forty-six. Something's telling me it's higher. The answer is forty-three. Ah, oh, Millard! <laughs> Come on, Millard with the victory, three-two in a thriller. Well played, well played. And by the way, great questions, Brooksy. Them. Very good questions, Brooksy. I, I do like the research that's gone into those, unless you're going to tell us all you're the biggest cricket badger in the world and just roll them off. No, mate, they're all on one sheet. I just, uh, yeah, it was quite an easy one to put together, to be honest. All right. Well, don't, don't do you disservice, you know. We can have a, we can re-record that bit again, actually, and just say, you say, yeah, it was really difficult, lads. Yeah? No? <laughs> <laughs> I just made it up. <laughs> I just made it up. Yeah, yeah. None of, that wasn't the round of balls at all. I just completely came up with it. Um, <laughs> um, if you played along with that at home, maybe let us know how you get on on the Ferret 5. Maybe you absolutely love the Ferret 5 and you just smash it every single week. Who knows? Let us know. Tweet us or let us um, you know, know on info at barmyarmy.com. And include with this. Greggy thought that Ian Bell scored 235, <laughs> 260 balls. It's absolutely outrageous. I know he was good, but. Well, the Oval, <laughs> the Oval is quick scoring, but, you know, Ian Bell wasn't that sort of player, was he? No, I just wondered if he sped up a bit at the end. You don't know. Any, anyway, all right, turn it in, lads. Right. <laughs> well done Brooksy nice work on the Ferret 5 um, yeah like we said Barmy Army TV absolute cracker we're putting them out throughout the India series Chris we've enjoyed it haven't we we've had some good guests and um, we want people to get in touch as well yeah absolutely you can actually watch the Shackles Are Off podcast on YouTube for any of you guys that have listened for the years that we've been going and you want to see what it looks like in production on Zoom it's a um, really impressive, unbelievable setup. It will blow you away. If you go onto YouTube, you'll see all the Shackles Rough videos on there. But Army Army TV is what Grady asked me about, and it's something that we've um, put a little bit of time into during the, this third lockdown, and we thought we wanted to focus on trying to keep cricket fanatics entertained on YouTube by bringing the best of whatever's going on on social media. Battle of the Armies, Army Army versus the Barrett Army, we get the Pro Cricketer series on where I'm a pro cricketer, give you some behind the scenes access to what the day in the life is like of a county cricketer. And then we've got the um, the old secret pro that comes on and has a chat with us. This week, going out, um, last week, which when the podcast is going out, is Bumble. And he was a brilliant guest to have on and well worth watch if it's just for Bumble alone. Yeah, just a bit. He was proper guest, wasn't he? Maybe, maybe, just maybe we might get him on the shackles or off as well. Because I mean, he was we talked to him for twenty five minutes and I mean I mean we could have talked to him for about two hours. So I think uh, Brooksy strap yourself in sod for when we get him on the pod. Because you could talk to him all day, couldn't you, Bumble? He's great. We could do him in sessions, couldn't we? Do a two hour session, have a break for lunch, another two hour session, have a cup of tea. 
and then come back for an evening session. Yeah, like Frost Nixon interviews from all them years ago, president ones. <laughs> speak to him for 24 hours straight about cricket. It'd be great, like the Bumble tapes. Um, but this week's guest on the podcast is Ricky Clark. Now, look, I'll be honest with you. I'll completely level with you. Completely different to what I expected. Um, having spoken to a lot of guys who played against him, said he loves a bit of chat out in the middle. He's obviously, I mean, he is a legend of the championship game, isn't he, um, Brooksy? You've played against him a lot. And, uh, I mean, we spoke to him and he was brilliant. He was such good, like, such good chat. Really nice guy, actually. Um, yeah. What can the listeners expect from our chat? Yeah, proper cricketer, um, bit of a character. He's been around the traps for a while. Played for England. One of these guys who came through very young. Um but yeah, he's had an unbelievable career for a couple of different teams and um, I've played against him for years. I'm not that um, close to him. I don't know him too well, but you just play each other quite a lot. Um, but yeah, he does have a bit of chat on field, but mainly tongue in cheek and a little bit of trying to get in people's heads rather than just out and out abuse. Yeah. Um, and he's a bit of a character. So yeah, he was, um, he'd be a great, great person to have a chat with about cricket for sure. Yeah. The only lasting memory I have of him is a conversation with Billy Root where it was probably one of the best sledges of all time. Um, and the podcast was was great to see um, what Ricky was like and he's a real character and I can imagine him being a lot of fun to play with and against. And um, Interesting love for football as well, being a, a hardened Spurs fan. So be interesting to see if he... He likes to um, follow cricket with the Army Army and take some of those Spurs songs on tour with us. Nice. Hashtag Mourinho out brigade. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> just a bit. We'll get his thoughts on that. Everything cricket as well. I mean, he's going into his 21st year as a county championship player, um, which will be, you know, I mean, that's a ridiculous achievement in itself. Um, so let's get into it. It's Ricky Clark on the Shackles Are Off podcast. Uh, well, welcome, by the way, to Shackles Rock Podcast, Ricky. Um, look, the first things that we always ask all of our guests are, basically, what are your beginnings as a cricketer? Where did it start for you and what whet the appetite for cricket? Well, well, it first started, I think I picked up a cricket bat and a ball when I was about four. Um, pretty much the same as every cricketer, I reckon. Um, you're always at a cricket club. Um, my mum used to do the teas. Uh, at the local cricket club, dad used to play. So I was always in and around cricket. Um, I was always grabbing someone, say, right, come on, come bowl at me, or you're batting, I can bowl to you. And um, someone in the on the square hitting catches and trying to beat me on the boundary rope. And, you know, so I was doing my fielding and I was just pretty much in and around cricket 24 7. And what about how long was it until you were sort of picked up by Surrey? in the academy and that kind of thing. When we in and around that, were you a child prodigy? Yeah, so um, I played, I think my first men's game was when I was seven. So obviously things were a little bit different back then. You'd, you know, health and safety now and kids have to wear helmets and all that sort of stuff. So I was in and around playing men's cricket when I was seven. Um, wow. I was in all the age groups. Um, so... You know, your, your 13s, 14s, 15s, all that as well at the age of seven and eight. And um, our local coach just put me forward for, at the time, it was a Surrey Nescafe course. So I think Nescafe was obviously... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
along the line for a bit of coffee. Um, and I went to this course. It was a 10 week course. Ended up getting um, player of the uh, course. And, and for that, you got a trial for Surrey under nines. And then, Did you get any free coffee? No, that's a bit disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> when I got older, you had the Benson and Edges. You used to get like 200 Benson and Edges cigarettes. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't a coffee drinker at nine and stuff. So. Um, yeah, so it was. It started from there, really. So got a trial for Surrey under nines. Went well. Got picked for Surrey under nines. And then... Obviously, each year you then get invited back for the trials. They obviously went well. And then I found myself getting picked every year for, for the Surrey age groups up until professional contracts. It's a bit of a tough nut to crack Surrey, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, it's obviously one of the most prestigious counties and it's big and it's got a big catchment area and loads of clubs and lots of big boarding schools as well in Surrey with lots of sort of feeder, uh, you know, teams, basically. That's a really tough gig. What was it? What was the atmosphere like there? I bet it was you know, really difficult to sort of even get in, really, isn't it? Um, a little bit. Um, we had the worst car on the car park, put it that way. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, no, but it, it was tough. Um, I come from a state school, uh, council house, and that sort of background. So that was that was tough for me. But the, the good thing about it was that I tried to just let everything go with my cricket um I enjoyed cricket as I said I was always around cricket um I had some decent coaches along the way um during the youth setup I had some difficult coaches where you know there were times I actually contemplated just giving up the game because because I went to state school it it, it was hard to harder to get in at certain age groups um but for me you know it, it worked out and I, I stuck stuck at it and uh, find myself now what we 21st season as a professional so yeah, I can't complain. That's yeah, on, on that, Rick, I, I've been asked quite a lot over the years about the state school, public school, sort of dynamic in cricket. And, you know, the majority of England players probably come from public schools and more opportunities when you're younger. I went to state school and hardly played any cricket. But I think on the flip side, I played adult cricket from a young age, like not as young as you. <laughs> Seven. Um, but do you reckon that was more beneficial in a way because it would have sort of toughened you up and got you used to sort of playing harder cricket from a younger age, you think? 100%. 100%. Um, you know, th there were times, I remember there was a game, so when I was, I was seven, I was playing a game and the opposition were very nice to me. Oh, you know, I was coming out and whacked a couple and then they went, hang on a minute, I'm not having this sort of thing. And, and it, it toughened you up. And um, you know me, Brooks, I've always been quite gobby and I, <laughs> there was nothing different age, nothing different age seven, you know. I was scared. Chirping men and sledging them. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it toughened me up a lot. Um, it helped me. Um, I was in a cricket environment at that club at the time where it was a situation where people said, you know, you're in now, you're playing the game, forget about your age and uh, you get on with it. So yeah, there was no sort of walking off after getting naught crying in the in the change room because I, I wasn't allowed to <laughs> <laughs> love that what was some of what, what were some of the names like in that Surrey dressing room then give us a feel for some of the big names you know when you first walk into the first team dressing room who were the standout ones who were the ones that you perhaps looked at and thought mm, not sure if you're very approachable or whatever and actually perhaps turned out to be who who, who were they <laughs> all of them <laughs> yeah. um I walked in on the basis it was just star studded. I, th I think there was a situation when I first went into that dressing room. I reckon we had 16 or 17 internationals. 
Oh, so, wow. you know, there were times that we we had probably five or six internationals playing second 11 cricket. And second <laughs> 11 cricket, in my opinion, back then was really strong. Mm. You know, every county that the squads were, were strong, every county um, had, had um, amazing players in it. Uh, and that made the jump up. So when you were playing second 11 cricket, if you did well, you know you'd earned that. And then you'd put yourself in the shop window to, to play, for, play for the first team. Um, going around names, I'm trying to think around the changing room now. Um, so you had Adam Hollyoak, Mark Butcher, Graham Thorpe, Alex Stewart, Alex Tudor, Ali Brown, Martin Bicknell, Ian Salisbury, Sackley Mushdak, um, Azam Mood. Um, wow. I'm probably missing loads, but you know, it, it, it was just star studded. Um, and the good thing about going into that, that dressing room was. A few years before that, it was a lot different. So if you're a younger guy coming into the changing room, or say into the changing room, you weren't allowed in the changing room. So there's yeah. the, the, the two separate changing rooms. You had to knock on the door, apparently. Um, if they said, make it, make me a tea, you had to make them a tea. If you, it, it was that sort of environment. And I think it was Keith Medlicott and Adam Hollyoak basically grabbed it and said, where are we going with this? If we want to be a team, everyone has to feel part of the team. Um, so Absolutely. I was looking up that when I went into that changing room, it was uh, it was very welcoming, and they, they were just willing to help. And you know, as I said, all the internationals, it was uh, perfect for me. Do you think that maybe accelerated your development as a cricketer as well, because you were around seventeen internationals? Like you could pick anyone's brain in there, possible. Hundred um, percent. For me, it's a, a situation when you've got all that knowledge, you're going to try and tap into it. Um, and, and and that's what I tried to do. It, it, it was quite daunting at times. Um, I remember there was a time that uh, Keith Medicott said, look, about your bowling development, we want you to be a bit more consistent. I was always a bit of a tear away, just running, just trying to bowl fast. And, <laughs> you know, just went for loads of runs, basically. Um, and, they said, you know, look at what Martin Bicknell does. I was like, okay, sort of thing, like sort of copy him. And it was a day of a game and uh, he went out, he bowled like two or three balls and he went in for a couple and I followed him. <laughs> <laughs> so I done, like, you know, you know, sat down and had a cup of tea with him. He had the paper out, he was, you know, looking at horses and stuff. And I was like, okay. Like, and that was, that's, that's the difficult thing there because, you know, for me, quite naive, but I've always been a cricket, I reckon, that's developed and matured a lot, a lot later um, and worked out my game a lot, a lot better now. So, uh, yeah, the, the cup of tea after five minutes being out in a warm-up wasn't the, the way they wanted me to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Love that. Look, you know, talking about internationals, I mean, you are an international yourself. I mean, look, you played for England really young. And that was, I mean, look, you, you sort of knocked on the door in your first season with Surrey and then you get you get picked. I mean, what was that like? I can't imagine. We talked to so many people who played for England on, on this podcast and it just fascinates me. I just can't imagine getting that phone call. Where were you? Can you remember where you were when you got the call? Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so I was, I was at home. Yeah, I was at home. And um, I think it was David Graven who called me. Wow. And he said, um, you've been selected for... The first initial point was the ICC Champions Trophy in Sri Lanka in 2002. Oh, nice. So yeah. I just, yeah. So <laughs> I've just come, um, just come off the back of um, a pretty decent season, first season, really, in, in first-class cricket. But they then selected me for the one-day tour, so the, the Champions Trophy. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, and uh, obviously not going to turn it down, but I'd only played nine first-class matches. So, you know, obviously still very inexperienced. Uh, get to the hotel the night before, and there's Nasser Hussain, Andy Caddick, 
um, Alex Stewart, who I knew well, so that was okay. Uh, Nick Knight and, and all these sort of guys. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Arrive at a hotel and you got Ricky Pontin and Sachin Tendulkar walking around. Could everyone used to stay at the same hotel? And I'm like, I'm out of my depth here. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is not not where I should be. Um, but it was good for me in, in the sense that, you know, it was an opportunity to train with with the best. I already had the opportunity with Surrey because of, as I, as I mentioned, the international cricketers we had. And it was a good opportunity for me. Um, and, and sadly, it, it didn't really work out at international level for whatever reason. But, you know, at least I can say I've, I've managed to get there a couple of times and play. Yeah, just a bit. I mean, look, you know, a couple of tests, 20 ODIs, you've had that full England experience as well because it's not just the games that you play, it's also the games where you've actually been on tour as well, isn't it? What Do you feel like you've got a fair crack of the whip? You know, some players, they seem to, you know, get given a few tests now and I suppose that's probably right because it's just sort of backing the player and giving them a bit more time. There seems a bit of a culture then when you made your sort of debut that it was basically you got a couple of matches and if you, you know, you hadn't done any good, that was it, see you later. Um, test matches was, was a difficult one because you know I'll take my test match record like, I'm, I'm happy with that with the bat and the ball yeah. so um, yeah that, that can end now if it wants <laughs> <laughs> which obviously um, ODIs I'll probably say I didn't get a crack at a whip because it was always I always felt I was in and out there was no sort of like this is a run of games um, I batted so in 20 ODIs I only batted 13 times but I think I've had six or seven different positions. So there's no sort of like really concrete yeah. position. Um, and with the ball, okay, not, not didn't set with the world alight. But if you look at some averages and economies and stuff, it, you know, that's pretty much where everyone has, is and I was sort of the same. So um, I don't think I got a fair crack at a whip. I wanted to play more, but maybe that's just the way it was meant to be. I wasn't meant to play for England more than I did. And, you know, Younger stages, I didn't help myself. Um, so, you know, I can take that responsibility. But as I got a little bit older, I felt I was knocking on the door and I was still at an age where I could have uh, maybe featured. But again, as I said, it wasn't meant to be. And um, I can't imagine I'll be getting a phone call soon at age 39. Hey, you, know. <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> Jimmy, you know, mate, you're like a fine wine, a bit like... <laughs> you look at, um, obviously, what Jimmy's done this week and, like, you're still going at... You're older than him. Only just, though, aren't you? Good year, then, yeah. I think county cricketers are certainly getting older or, you know, staying better for longer, able to fit this. Are you lengthening your career here, mate? <laughs> well, we'll Give see, mate. Five years. Through, got to get through the season first. <laughs> um, do you take inspiration from, from that? And do you, do you want to carry on playing into your 40s or where does, where, where does it go for you? For me, it's very cliche. I take each pretty much day and season as it comes. Um I think for me, it's getting harder. Like the, particularly now, the the, the training is getting harder. Um, I've got a very understanding management group at Surrey uh, that know what I need to perform. Um, so, you know, I won't be doing the two k time trials as quick as I can around the oval like like some of the youngsters. Um, but at the same point, I think some of that is because they're geared up that they want to play for England and they have to do certain certain levels. Um, so, yeah, quite an understanding group at Surrey. Um, I just try and take, as I say, each, each day as it comes because you never know when the body might shut down or the, or the eyes go a bit and stuff. And, you know, um, and, and the career is, is suddenly coming to an end. Um, I'd like to play as long as I can, but you, you never know what's, what, what's around the corner. 
Um, obviously, the current situation with COVID as well now, um, and obviously the financial uh, implications it, it's got with 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 counties and, and cricket in general. Um, so you know there might be an opportunity that um, doesn't arise for me. So I have to move on, but we'll, we'll see how we go with that. Have you had have you had the jab yet? You're old enough to have the jab yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the next bracket, 50 to 60, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. Um, look, you obviously, you know, go back to the England thing. So you obviously, look, you obviously had a, a burning desire to keep that career going as everybody would. You know, you were still at a really good age when you left Surrey and you went to Derbyshire to captain the side. You know, was it with the hope that captain in a, a county side would maybe sort of make the England's selectors ears and eyes prick up a little bit or what What was the thinking behind that and was it you know I, I, you don't not I don't think you've really spoken about this sort of on record properly before but was it what was the thinking behind that was it is it something you regret doing or I, I don't know you know you tell me um so originally like I'll try and do the short version so um <laughs> so Surrey wanted me to take a pay cut. Um, I'd had a really good year the year before. Um, had a, a bit of an illness in 2007. Um, so didn't really play as well as I could. And then they wanted, and that was the end of a five-year contract that I'd signed. Um, they wanted me to take a pay cut. I, I felt it wasn't really justified. Um, we sort of had a bit of a, a lockerheads moment. I was like, you know, I'm, I've done well for the last X amount of years. I've been you know, I got selected for England in 2006, the year before, so I was, I was still doing okay. Uh, they come back and they never did. And I was like, right, okay, that's my sorry career over. I better move on. And my original destination was Warwickshire. So I had a meeting with Mark Greatbatch and Darren Maddy uh, in a nice little pub in Stratford above Avon. <laughs> and um, everything was finalised. Yep, we want to sign you. It would be this contract, it would be this money. I was like, okay, brilliant. They said, we'll get everything sorted out come up and then we do all the photos, you sign the paperwork, everything be good. I was like, happy days. And then I think about eight days later, uh, Mark Greatbatch unfortunately got the sack. Oh, <laughs> so no. I, I was like, right, okay. Um, contacted uh, Warwickshire, where does this leave me? Well, we need to see, we, we haven't decided who's coming in yet, so we can't confirm a, a player because you know we don't know if, if the coach would want you or not. I was like, okay, totally un understandable. And then, um, John Morris at Derbyshire came in and said, look, we want to offer you the captaincy. Um, sat down with people, spoke about it a lot. And I felt that because I had those, those aspirations still to play for England, I was looking at the bigger picture that if I can go and perform for Derbyshire, if I can captain well, if I can lead the way, that is putting me in the shop window again to, to play for, for England. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really work out. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of promise of what I couldn't couldn't do, or basically it was my ship that I, I was told I could I could run, which I always liked because it was an opportunity to do things a little bit different. I've always been a bit of a you know, sort of a maverick sort of person, as Brooksy smiling. Um, but I always felt that sometimes that can bring out the best out of people in their cricket and as people as well. So I thought this would be perfect. Um, didn't really work out that way, and um, yeah, Jilo was. Are you still keen? And I was like, yep, yeah, and moved across to, to Warwickshire. And as I say, the rest is history. And I owe a lot to Warwickshire, really, because Gilo grabbed me from a batting, uh, Graham Welsh grabbed me from a bowling, and Jim Troughton in the captain is the best captain I've, I've ever had. Um, so those three guys, 
I believe turned my my career around and is why I'm probably still playing to this day um, because I was really at a sort of a stumbling block going right it's not Surrey didn't want me Derbyshire it didn't work out where am I going where is my career going is this going to be you know three years and then I'm out of the game and I'm really struggling or what am I doing so it, it was good that they grabbed me and, and in fairness as I said before I matured later and those three guys were a massive reason why I matured as a, as a cricketer but not as a person. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never happen. Yeah. You won, um, how many trophies did you win with, with Warwickshire? You won a championship once as well, didn't you? Yeah, so um, when I arrived, uh, so we won the championship, uh, two Lords finals and the T20. Um, but we, again, we were in, I think, I think we won the, it was, there was a national league at the time as well. So we won the national league. Um, when I arrived, we were in, Division two, so we won the Division two championship. So, um, but yeah, it was um, a successful, uh, successful time. Can even say that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we had there was a time we had four Lords finals in seven seasons. So um, yeah, we would have hoped to have got a few more trophies, but obviously we were really competing. And as always, there was in 2014 we were on for the treble, uh, and unfortunately, um, yeah, Lords final didn't materialise. Uh, narrowly missed out on, on the championship um, but then we won the T20 so yeah it was um, a good side and uh, yeah enjoy enjoy my time a lot there. We've always been a tough side with good players and for that period of time when I was at, um, in Yorkshire and you were your best at Warwickshire in those days like Warwickshire going for the title you were always one of the main players we used to speak about with you then you obviously a, sort of a three-dimensional cricketer as well with you, know, you could take the new ball or hold an end up and then change your game at six or seven and then you you just don't drop catch. have you ever dropped a slip catch <laughs> loads <laughs> i've never seen you drop one yeah no i've dropped loads <laughs> no, been in the game when i was playing <laughs> i've got a broken finger from one that i dropped so it's snapped, pretty much snapped off yeah uh, yeah, I think there was a time, like, you talk about that with, with Yorkshire. There, there was, and I reckon every county has it, an international setup and stuff, but there was a time that we always looked at Yorkshire as the guys that played the tough cricket, played it the right way, played on good wickets. And that's, that's fundamentally where you want to, to be. Um, and I actually remember a conversation as well with, um, I think it was Gilo and, and Gus Fraser, and he said that look, that's what they're trying to do at Middlesex is do it the Warwickshire way. Well, realistically, we tried to do it the Yorkshire way and now people are probably <laughs> trying to do it the Essex way. And and fundamentally, I look at all, all ways is good wickets. And I believe that you can, if you bowl well, you'll you, you get your wickets. If you bat well, you get your runs. And it's good cricket wickets that you play on. And I believe that's the best way to um, put people in good stead if they got selected to go up and play for England. Because... You know, pretty much on in English conditions. Yes, the ball will swing. It might do a little bit if conditions suit, but more often than not, you're playing on good wickets. So um, I find find that that's the way to go. And majority of the time, most of the sides that have won it have, have played on on good good cricket wickets. That's what Surrey have always done, and they've had shitloads of success, haven't they, over different periods of time? Yeah, I think that's the best way. As long as you've you know, for us at Surrey, we're always trying to say we found good cricket wickets, but the ball's got to carry. And we don't mind if it's flat, but the, the worst thing is, is when it's flat and you bend your back and it bounces about that eye above the stumps and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be a long couple of days. Um, 
so for, for me, yeah, you, you know, and I, I always used to love bowling at Headley because, you know, where, where, whatever end you bowled, you always felt that you're in the game, that if you could get it in a good area, the ball, your nicks were going to carry. Um, you could, you know, put people on the back foot with, with a bumper and then go into your areas again. And, you know, good cricket wickets, it's the, that's what you want. And as a seam bowler as well, that's what you want because uh, it's going to be hard work otherwise, unless you're playing on a, a spinning wicket and you know you don't have to do a lot on that day so it doesn't really matter <laughs> it doesn't really spin a lot heading one of the reasons i went there because i knew it always seem around even like the, on a hot day or a good wicket it would hopefully have a little bit in it yeah exactly perfect what what was the um what was that like when going back to surrey then you'd had all that success at warwickshire going back to surrey i'm guessing it wasn't a cap in hand kind of situation it was more them probably saying oh come back ricky you're actually really blooming good and you're worth every single penny <laughs> Well, that's the thing, I suppose, that, you know, if, if Alex Stewart and uh, Richard Thompson, who's our uh, chairman of cricket now, if they were in charge, there's every chance that I might not have been able to leave. Um, I always had those aspirations of being a, a one-county man. Um, but as I've alluded to with Warwickshire, I probably wouldn't be the cricketer I am now. Um, and the consistency that I've got, that I believe I've got, um, because of what happened at Warwickshire. So going back, absolute no-brainer. Um, it always been sort of jokes with with me and uh, with me and Stewie um, with uh, when I was at Warwickshire. When you coming back? When you coming home? All those sort of jokes, you know. You go into the lunch lunch room and it's like, oh yeah, here he is, Mr. Brown out there, and all this sort of stuff in front of a Warwickshire teammate. <laughs> coming home soon, and that sort of jokes. So that's what Stewie was like. Um, and then yeah, it, it happened. And and do you know what? It, it's brilliant because it's, it's a situation where. I'm going to end where I started and, and going back, everything has just been, been brilliant. Uh, same people in the office, you know, Oh, good to have you back. And it, it just feels like home and um, sort of still got my same sort of similar spot that I used to have in the changing room and all those sort of things. So yeah, I've, um, I've really enjoyed my time back and uh, hopefully it can continue for a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I can look back fondly and say that it's one of the places I've, I've loved playing. He loves nicking uh, players, doesn't he? He was telling us about when he was, uh, he was basically, he's told us about how every single player that he signs, he sort of sidles up to them on an outfield and just basically collars them and says, when you're signing for Surrey. So nice yeah. to see that he was doing the same with you <laughs> early doors. He's no mug, is he, Stewie? I think because he sports Chelsea, he thinks he's like the Roman of <laughs> <to> cricket. <laughs> Got the most cash. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, that. We don't need to talk about football, Ricky, do we? The Spurs? No, no, not then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple of months ago, maybe, but not now. <laughs> you uh, are you part of the Mourinho out brigade, or do you know what? I, I've been on record many a times that when Poch got the sack, I was a massive Poch fan, still am. Absolutely loved him for what he did. Um, and when I, he unfortunately got the sack, I said the one person you want in now is Mourinho and hopefully we get Mourinho. Now, the reason I said that was I was prepared for the boring, negative football. <laughs> I was expecting us to win 1-0, 2-0, get the results, that sort of stuff. Now, the problem with that is when you don't get the results. Mm. Um, and I look at it that maybe his philosophy against the big teams works. What I don't like, and this is no disrespect to sides like West Brom or Sheffield United, or these sort of sides that you give you give them seventy percent of the ball and just invite pressure on all the time. That's what I don't agree. So, yeah. 
you know, if he could be adaptable and say, right, this is how we're going to play against these teams. And then these six sides, we're going to do what we do. And we're going to try. Like we beat City 2-0 at home. We beat Arsenal 2-0 at home. They had all the ball. They, You know, we defended. We hit them on the counter-attack. Perfect. You know, I, I don't mind that. Um, he's a serial winner. He brings trophies. Who knows if he'll bring us a trophy. <laughs> um, and where we go in the league. But, you know, I, I think... You know, and you know, Brooksy, if, if if someone said to you, a bowling coach said to you, I just want you to run up every single game and just hang it a yard outside off stump, you're going to get pretty bored, aren't you? So I think that's the same with the players, where if you had a game where they said, look, hang it to, so say Steve Smith was playing county cricket, hang it to Steve Smith, don't give him a, a sniff. But then when we go against so-and-so, crack on, go for your wickets sort of thing. So... I think the, the players got a little bit bored with the same stuff against um, the lesser teams, let's say, in the... Uh... Yeah, Rick Keane as manager, then. I was going to say... Okay. Rick, I love a big coat, I know. I love it. His eyes have lit up. <laughs> His eyes have lit up here, haven't they, lads? I love it. Yeah. I was going to ask you, because you set up Ricky Clark cricket coaching, it sounds like it should be Ricky Clark football <laughs> punditry. <laughs> <laughs> Get me into the sky queue, uh, sky crew. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Red, red nap, soonest Keane and Clark. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounds awesome. Um, look, cricket, cricket coaching. Look, you know, I, I don't want to put a, a time on the end of the the career for you because obviously. You know, you're still hungry as ever. You can tell that just from speaking to you, which is brilliant. Absolutely love to see that. But you've obviously set up the cricket coach and you obviously feel like you've got a lot to give back to the game of cricket and a lot to youngsters. You know, you've got, like you say, 21 years of professional cricket knowledge to impart. So the kids who are going to that cricket coaching are obviously going to be buzzing they've got a lot to tap into there ricky is that something that you're quite passionate about do you fancy yourself doing it you know a professional level county level maybe international level a bit of coaching i'd like to um i think the reason i set up the the academy was one to as we alluded to earlier on for, for me coming from a state school and stuff i believe that sometimes there's a lot of cricketers boys and girls that slip through the net now what I wanted to try and do was to grab those cricketers and say, look, you've still got an opportunity. Here's the experience. Here's the coaches that can go, right, you know, we're going to turn you into a cricketer where you don't miss out on those trials or the selection for the for the, the youth teams in your counties. Um, and obviously develop as, as many cricketers as possible, even ones that just want to get better for their, their club side on, on a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, so I've always had that aspiration of, of coaching. Um, with the county level and the international level, of course, but I'm a little bit of a, a realist to say that jobs don't come around very easily in those in in, in those sort of sectors. And um, you know, everyone's got their coaches. A lot of the coaches are are from within the county. So I was like, look, let's let's make sure that life after cricket is is secure and sorted because I didn't want to be in a situation where Stewie goes, sorry, mate, we're not gonna renew your contract anymore and I'm like right what do I do now mm. so it was, it was basically trying to plan for for life after cricket originally I was going to go out into uh, out to Dubai where my dad's been for now nearly 14 years in um, property wow so a few winters I, I was you know I was going out there sticking a suit on and basically learning a whole new yeah a whole new um, yeah 
trade sort of thing really and, and, and getting used to business and sitting in meetings and uh yeah so you see, i said i was out of debt um, when i went on my first england tour <laughs> definitely out of debt with a suit on <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that was the original plan, but then I just thought, you know what, cricket has been my life. I love, love cricket for so many years, um, and, and someone gave me the idea, and I was like, that's not a bad idea because I've never really thought about an academy or, or doing something, doing something myself. So the idea was, uh, yeah, I have to buy that person a drink. Quality. Mm-hmm. Also, for- Ricky, before we go, just because we haven't touched on it yet, you scored a career first class double hundred. What was that your best batting moment in your career? Is that the one you hold highest in your regards? Not many people score first class hundred. Yeah, for me, look, it was it was at Guildford, so it, it was it was handy to, to be at my my local club, um, and the boundaries are short, and the outfield was fast, and the wicket was flat, so that was quite. <laughs> I think for me, the the, the best hundred I ever scored, I think it was one six five, at the Oval, and I'd literally just been dropped by England. And um, I can't remember who the overseas was uh, for for Leicestershire. It was against Leicestershire at the time, and they were just going at me, going, "Ah, oh, you're no good. That's why I'm the money." And just constantly, the second I walked to the crease, and as the I, sort of time, I was like, "You know what? I'm on today," <laughs> just because of you. Like pointing in, like you, you should have kept your mouth shut, sort of thing. <laughs> um, and and that was pleasing because I knew that I could then, because I was still quite young, I knew I could actually change my mindset of how I play the game you know before I never really looked at the mindset of how you go about your business but yeah that day something sort of triggered and said right you're on every ball and you're going to make this guy pay sort of thing. and every time I was in a four I was staring at him and like just <laughs> yeah, that's probably my, my best hundred for, for that factor but to have a double hundred yeah it, it's fantastic quality um, you can't scrub it out of the who's who so that's quite Exactly. That's nice. <laughs> exactly. That. Um, also, on that, you know, you're saying you sort of oh, go on you and all that. I have heard actually off a pal of ours who shall remain nameless <laughs> that you love you love a sledge, absolutely love a sledge, but <laughs> but in a good way. Like you know, they they were quite they were quite keen to say, look, in a really good way, like in a fun way, and to the point where you're like, oh, that, that's that's absolutely done me there. You're obviously well practiced at it. You play men's <laughs> cricket at seven, so you're obviously yeah. quite clued up on that respect as well you know you have to learn quick you love a sledge um he's quite chirpy what i will say is fuck he is chirpy and you know and you know what to expect like he's gonna <laughs> say he's quite you know he's, he likes a conversation on the field but if you look at him or you, you suddenly he obviously wouldn't have said much to me or there's no point sledging someone like me but <laughs> i remember when i've been out there and he said something or someone said something to the other batter and i'd look at him and he's always got a massive grin on his face yeah. afterwards yeah <laughs> <laughs> always been that the same way i've always found it just it keeps me going um it, it's just a bit of fun like I, I don't feel i've ever stepped over the mark with, with certain things um and, and sledges it's just a bit of fun um off the field the second we go over that white line the other way to the changing rooms i'll be the first person to say let's have a beer and well played or whatever you know it's just you know i wouldn't say i've got white line fever or maybe i have a little bit um but it's just a case of you know you're in the battle, it's cricket, you're playing for your county or whoever and you're meant to do well. So, yeah, so it's all very uh, tongue-in-cheek and a bit of fun a lot of the time. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> Ricky, you've been an absolutely cracking guest, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, all, 
All the best for the season as well. So what's this? Your 21st professional season, is it, this one? 21st professional season, yeah. So there'll, be, so there'll be lads, there'll be teammates who actually weren't born when you played before, when you played professional cricket in your team. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's the worst thing. So, you know, when you, you, you go to like your aunties and they're like, oh, I remember you and you were this high or something like that. <laughs> That's what I feel like in the changing room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, yeah, don't change, mate. I hope you have a great season and, um, yeah, all the best. Thanks for coming on, mate. Really Absolutely. appreciate it. Cheers, Ricky. Thanks, 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 mate. Thanks, mate. See you in the summer, mate. See you in the summer. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Podcast Network.